All right. Well, we got down one question last time, so we're uh, we're gonna see how we can do today. <laughs> but uh, let me let me start with the verses that we're on. Um, we're we're looking at uh, specifically eleven and twelve, Titus two, eleven and twelve, um, and uh, this is lesson eight. So continuing lesson eight, I'll read. Uh, starting with verse 11 and uh, down through 13 and 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So last week we asked the question, because a believer is now totally free from the law, does it mean that he can sin with impunity? I think we had a good discussion about that last week. It was, I really, I really thought that was good. Um, and uh, one of the things we, um, sort of wound up with is that, uh, you know, God, God does, God does discipline. He does chasten. I, I like the old word chasten for what God does with believers, but, um, it's not a, it's not too, um, not sometimes in the sense we think of, of, uh, corrective in terms of trying to make the old man better, but it is instructive because the Lord has, has already dealt with the old man, hasn't he? And, uh, and because of that, um, you know, when we, when we do walk, um, as slaves to sin, um, Romans six, um, he shows us that he's, he's, uh, he's very patient and, uh, he shows us that, uh, that's, that's where we're walking. You're, you're, but you're not a slave to that. You don't have to reckon yourself a slave to sin, but you can reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. So, you know, I think we dealt with that pretty well, but we're going to, um, uh, we, we just began question number two, which said define grace. And I, I read that little quote from Andy Woods. I'll read it again, um, to refresh that. But, uh, Andy Woods said, religion attempts to climb to God. Whereas grace recognizes the impossibility of approaching God on our own merit. And that's not a definition of grace, as I said last time, but it's a, it's, it's something worth thinking about, I think. Just helps give us a bit of a flavor of grace, maybe. But any, any, uh, I'll let one of you guys define, define grace. I've heard that one, one definition is God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah. Yeah, the acronym, right? G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's true. That's right. Very good. I think last week I, I probably mentioned quickly the Chester Macaulay definition, the one we often uh, use. And, and I, I've come across similar ones that basically say the same thing in more words, but as far as a concise definition that I think really hits hits the keys, um, I think that still is it in terms of what I you know, he said, uh, grace is unlimited, the unlimited and unmerited blessing of God based on the totally adequate work of Christ on the cross. 
And that, of course, is wrapped up in, in the, the definition that, that uh, Cheryl gave as well. Um, at, at Christ's expense, um, it's, it's based on the totally adequate work of Christ. Um, so I, I think what I, what I wrote down here is that we want to see here uh, that grace is revealed in a person, not in a theology textbook. Um, grace is revealed or made visible in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, so who he is by character and the work that he carried out on the cross is the greatest expression of grace that, that there will ever be. Such that we can say that grace was revealed in Jesus Christ. Conversely, could you say that without Christ there's no grace? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think so. And so, yeah. um, do you think that grace, uh, and Christ coming in unison is because of the work he did or just because of who he is? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I mean, in my mind, like the first thought that comes to mind is that it's, it's, an, it, it's inseparable. You know, I mean, he did what he did because of who he is. He could not have, you know, have done that. And what he did was totally necessary, um, you know, to grace. But it really is rooted in, in who he is. You know, he never would have, you know, he didn't become gracious because he chose to go to the cross. No, he, he, he is gracious in character, I think. Yeah. yeah we, we often use the term his person and his works. Um, and those are inseparable to the grace that he revealed himself to be and made available to us, right? It's made possible through his person and his works. Yeah. Is that what I say? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know if you, you quoted this. I was looking up something else, but yeah, the, the John 1, 1 17. Yeah. For law, law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So, you know, yeah, I mean, and, Bo, and maybe to Mike's question, can you separate those? I don't think so. I think they're, they're both, they're, they're both realized through Christ. He, he, he's, he's the, the one that we get grace and truth through. Yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah, I had that reference written down. In had a question. Go ahead, Russ. I was say, hey, and, uh, our sins all had to be placed on Jesus and taken off of us. So that work is bloodshed, but we would become God in Christ. Was, was Russ breaking up for everybody or just me? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. Sorry, sorry, Russ. Yeah, we caught part of that, but it sounded good. Oh, I was just. <laughs> Oh, I was just saying that, um, you know, Jesus had to take all upon himself all the sins of the world and yeah. his blood had to be shed. So he literally had to go to that cross, to take away the penalty and place it on himself. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, Jesus had to go to the cross, which is an interesting thing, because it's almost like 
we can tend to think wrongly of that. Like, you know, God almost got pushed into a corner where the only way out was for Jesus to go to the cross. But the reality is, is that God in his sovereignty has, has everything has led up to the cross. You know, it, it became necessary because that's what God intended. You know, he intended that the cross would be, would be necessary. And, uh, and it was. Why, why, is why that? Why did he say the cross would, is necessary? Why, why did God say the cross is, is necessary? Yeah, I mean, the, the point is, is that, um, um, the Father and the Son got together in the eternal covenant and they did it to resolve the, the offense of sin against themselves. And, you know, if you look at the alternative answers that they could have come up with, well, it, they could put the whole human race out of existence. Mm-hmm. And after that, that would have been easy, but it still wouldn't have satisfied their righteousness. Mm-hmm. Because God, you know, it's interesting that God set up the rules to start with. And the rules were that if you violated God's will, you, you die. Yeah. So they, they, I, I, I'm not that the father and the son were having a discussion about this, but the parameters of wh- where the discussion came from was they're both gracious because they are God. And this is actually the only way that they could solve the sin problem to their satisfaction. And, and the cool thing is that they did not have to accrue the benefits to man. Mm-hmm. to satisfy themselves. They could have said, okay, we're satisfied. See you later, humanity. <laughs> so so that was my question, was um, the work that the Father and the Son did where Christ died to pay the penalty for, or the offense against themselves, Yeah. was that gracious or was that a righteous act? Oh. And And the extending it to us was that was that was obviously gracious. That's a great question. Uh, very yeah, very, very good, Donna. That's that really is it. I, I think that's that's because we have to understand that. That was the one one righteous act. That's uh Romans five, right? Um that that was righteousness. But the fact that, that um everything that, that uh that God extends to us on that basis, that's that's graciousness, right? Yeah. Very, very good. Well, let's look at question number three, because we're kind of moving into it a little bit. Um, it says, what does grace appearing allow us to do? Does grace appearing allow us to do? Because we're kind of answering these, this question a little bit already. Um, the word there, appearing, is, uh, I'll say, epiphano. Uh, no, it should be epiphano. Uh, it's... It's emphatic in the Greek, so it's it's the, it's the first word in this in the sentence, which means that this is this is the main idea in the sentence, um, and, it, and it, it means to appear, to become visible, or to become clear. So, um, and uh, and and I, I wrote down an additional kind of tack on question here that I think we've kind of answered now. I said, I said, has God always been gracious, or did He become gracious at the cross? And um, my I don't know if you said, I think you've written this down in your, in your notes that you sent me. Well, God has always been gracious. The visible manifestation of God's grace was not clearly seen until the cross. 
So, as we talked about already, this graciousness is a part of God's character, um, I, I think. Um, it, it, at least it expresses, it's, it, although it's, it's interesting, because I know, J.D., we talked about this years ago in, in framework stuff. I mean, um, grace is something that's extended towards the sinner. You know, so, so was God gracious before there was, uh, you know, sin involved? No, but, uh, but he was and always has been love, right? Um, and, and grace, part of the way I think about it, I don't know if I'm wrong here or not, but that grace shows us the, the depth of his, of his love. Um, that while we were while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Because I think we talked. Did we talk last week a little bit about the fact that grace, um, as a as a Greek word, um, you know, had meant to to do a favor for somebody without expecting a return. But what God has done in in grace is not just a favor for you know a friend or someone. Um, he's he has extended his grace to. To us, while we were his, his enemies, unreconcilable enemies. So, so grace grace allows us to to see that. Um, Would you say giving uh, the law to Moses was a gracious act? Okay, good question. <laughs> I say yes. I, I think it was too, J.D. It, it gave them a method where they could cover their sins. Mm. There was a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And without God giving us a way, what do you have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're saying that, just to clarify here, we're saying that <clears throat> is God, is his, obviously love, grace is an expression of God's attribute of love. And was that fair? Yeah, I think so. So second of all, it's in his character. It's in his attributes. Prior to sin, was God gracious in how he treated Adam and Eve? Mm. Well, there was no offense, but he certainly provided for them graciously. They didn't deserve the garden. They didn't deserve the provisions, yet they were given the provisions. So there was the attribute of love potentially not expressing the fullness of grace because grace doesn't appear here until what Titus is talking about in verse 11 and the fullness of Christ. Right. So here grace is being revealed, but it's not fully revealed. It hasn't appeared in the fullness of it, of its expression because sin is what, what requires grace requires an, a, not only a gracious act, but also biblical perspective unmerited and unlimited provisions for those who deserve absolutely nothing but death and so until death came the grace of god as it relates to solving the sin problem was not needed maybe is the way to say it was available but it was not needed it was a part of his character but it was not he didn't exercise it until he sent his son to deal with the sin problem once and for all. And that's what the next part of that verse has to do. The the appearing of grace is tied directly to the bringing salvation to all men. 
And going back to, going back to the first John, or I mean, uh, John 1, you know, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So it's, it, 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 grace was realized through him. So, you know, was it present beforehand? If, you know, if he's from, I guess, if he's eternal, eternal being and God, he would be gracious that he, it, it, it wasn't like he became gracious when he, when he stepped into flesh. So he, they were gracious before, you know, and, and it was, but it was realized through Jesus Christ when he came in the flesh. The, the other, at the beginning of, of that, or the section at 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is realized. So I, it, it, I guess the question if he was gracious before, if he's always been gracious, yeah. He hasn't, yeah. He hasn't changed. And then when he suddenly appeared, he became gracious. Yeah. I think that the trick here, or not the trick, but the catcher is what his, what the application of grace is. So before that grace was available in a limited form to Israel, to Adam and Eve, obviously the progeny and so forth. But now it's universal. And so, and it's more, it, it, it expands, but it, it not only expands in its coverage of sin, the sin problem, but it also expands to all men. Yeah. All right. Okay, let me see if I can tie together a few things we're saying here. So um, one of the things we say, God's character has never changed. It's eternal, right? Um, therefore, the, 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 the persons of, of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, in their omniscience, their infinite knowledge, um, were fully aware of the, of the magnitude, the scale of God's love. Um, they could see it for, for what it was because they're infinite. But the reality is you would have to be infinite to see the infinitude, is that a word, of, of God's love. You would have to be, you would have to be omniscient to see the, the, the size, the scope of God's love for what it is. So when God created mankind, um, we're finite, which means by nature we would, we'll never be able to see the full scope of God's love for what it is. We just, we can't. We're, we're finite. We can't see it as big and as grand as it really is. Um, and one of the things that the law did, I think, when the law came in, is it it dug us a really, 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 really deep pit. <laughs> you know, it, it showed man that there there is a huge, huge gulf. There's a huge gap between between you and this righteous God. And and that was gracious, I think, in itself, because um, you you have to see the 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 magnitude of that of that difference of that problem before you're prepared to see the the magnitude of what of God's love and what he um what he uh will do and when the cross when Jesus Christ came as as Courtney's been looking at in, in John 1 there um full of grace and truth um we what we see is is that God is both just and the justifier to borrow Paul's language in in Romans. Um, but if we look back at Titus one verses one and three, notice that 
uh, Paul has already uh, kind of introduced this this thought here. Um, just let's just uh, let's see. Well, I'll start in verse two. Um, you know, it's the middle of the sentence. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. And we know that as soon as as soon as sin came into the world, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God came in and promised grace. He promised this Savior. Um, and as time went on, that continued to be uh, revealed more and more throughout the Old Testament. Um, and in verse three, but at the proper time manifested his his word. And um and I think that ties right into the way John says it, right? The word became flesh, um, full of grace and truth. Um so that so that at that time when, when Christ was revealed and when and when at the cross it was it was seen um it it that it was it was revealed finally how God could be um uh, both perfectly just um and judge sin in its entirety and and be able to extend to all men um his unlimited uh unmerited love because up until that point there was kind of always this this tension i think that you know how could a just and holy god um uh offer offer us uh eternal life how could how could he offer a relationship uh, to us and the law did did pre uh prefigure that um through through blood um a blood sacrifice which really goes all the way back to the garden um but um but at the cross it was uh it was made finally uh completely completely clear how that how that could be does that is that wrap some of that together yeah that was awesome no i think that that looking at it from a a kind of creation to cross perspective and then even taking that statement moving forward is interesting too but where titus where where paul and titus are in in this portion of the chapter um you know it's funny because he's been talking about all of these um different laundry lists of older men older women younger men younger women and it's like wow that's a lot going on and and then you get to verse 11 and it's like, oh, yeah. And this all exists within the reality of grace that is yeah. appealed to all men and for the purpose of salvation, which means all of these old and young has an idea of maturity. Right. And that maturity happens in salvation and that sonship, as we learned maybe from those of you that were reading The Hungry Heart this morning, growing into that sonship is growing into that person. And so you've got the older and the younger, older and the younger. But we know that that whole maturity process happens because of the fact that grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And that's where we are in the current church age, right? We're, we're as the as believers, we're maturing from younger men to older men, younger women to older women. Not just in terms of our characteristics by way of our age, we're also maturing spiritually by learning not only what. Mike, <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Oh, okay. Go for it. Uh, I had two thoughts there. One is, uh, uh, Miles, you said that um, our understanding is finite. 
I think that our recreation in Christ eliminates the finiteness and takes us into eternity because we're conformed to his image. Now, mm-hmm. for all eternity, we're not going to comprehend the wholeness of it at one time. We'll continue to grow. But that's one of the benefits. The second thing about that I wanted to say is that when when you dis- define eternal life eternal life is not a a substance in a jar in your kitchen Mm -hmm. it's uh, he says in John 17 that eternal life is to know me and the one who sent me so it's kind of cool when you when you equate well what is eternal life is it just some substance and that's that's a problem like like my coming out of Catholicism, they always wanted to put things in a bottle and then it would be something added on to you as you went along. And it cost you. And it cost you to get it, you know. Yeah. Whereas God says, look, when I, when I, eternal life is to know me and to yeah. know the one who sent me. And we don't, I don't think we put the value on intimacy with Christ like we should because that knowing is what eternal life is mm-hmm. if I don't know him I don't have eternal life I don't care how uh, fancy my walk is you know yeah. it's it's and so he graciously what does he do he, he um, I don't want to use that word he recreates us so that we can actually know the God of the universe yeah. Yeah. You know, personally and imminently, and that we find out that he loves us and that he's gracious. Yeah. You know, without that introduction, we don't know any of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I have a clarifying question, Mike. Yeah. Um, so the question is, are we finite still? At this point, are you finite? Well, bodily, we are. Okay, so that's the one thing that's our limitation, right? Yeah. Our perspective is eternal. Um, Our relationship with the Lord Jesus and the fact that the Holy Spirit can reveal his word to us. Yeah. Eternal understanding. It it gives us a perspective. That's where we get the abide above and keep looking down, right? So we have that eternal um, perspective of which an unbeliever doesn't have. Uh, They can't can't see that. It's blinded to them because of sin. Right. Our body is still finite and still we we call the flesh the flesh for a reason, not just because it's material, but because it also produces sin. Um, The only thing it wants to do. So in that way, we are finite. But in terms of our spiritual position, we are not finite at all. We are eternal. Go ahead. I just asked if that was fair to say. Yeah, that's good. I was going to say, getting back kind of, it maybe falls back into what the question says. What, what does grace appearing allow us to do now? Believe. And, you know, we were, we were finite and now we're, we have, you know, eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us eternally. And, and so, so what does grace allow us to do now? And I it actually, you know, I went back to Romans 521, which, you know, it's the reigning principle now. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord. 
So grace is the reigning principle now, and that's you know our our, our <laughs> uh, 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 grace appearing now allows us to have that that intimate union with Christ. His appearing now has allowed us, and I, I think one of the other, and I was looking up, it was, it, and maybe from the John one, um, it was about now we can see the Father through Christ. So again, all these, what, what Christ appearing in grace and truth, and now the reigning principle is grace, we now have that union with Christ. We now can see the Father through Christ. And, and it allows us to, you know, enter into that, that union with God the Father, God the Son, and, 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 uh, God the Holy Spirit, all three. And that's, I think the appearing now has allowed us to do that, have that union, have that relationship. And, and the, the other thing, I guess maybe I was kind of go as, you know, I think really trying to hammer down on what grace is, you know, I think I, li- I, I like Macaulay's, uh, Macaulay's, uh, definition but it does does the body at large right now really understand what grace is i always think when grace it's kind of just being nicey nice you know it's not really understanding what grace was realized through christ and that what the reigning principle is right now it's kind of you, you grace is i'm really nice i'm gonna be good to you I'll, I'll i'll bring you a meal or whatever you know it's not fully realizing what what came through the appearing of, of Christ in the flesh. Yeah. I would say that most of our cultural conceptions of grace really taint our understanding of it. Like you said, I mean, we just think it means, you know, yeah, being nice, you know, overlooking some fault or whatever. And those are kind of vaguely, you know, loosely related to what grace is. But, um, but I was thinking of, uh, first Corinthians, uh, one and, and two, you know, grace is utter foolishness to the world. So they they reject it. I mean, it's the it's the most foolish thing they could conceive of, you know. Um, until we until we understand grace and and accept it, um, you know, we we don't we really don't. Uh, we, yeah, we, we 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 just reject it as foolishness. But um, but with that with that grace, uh, uh, there's that as as a reigning principle, it reigns uh, to eternal life, um, which, which like we've been saying here is is all about knowing Him. Um, so so what does grace allow us to do? It allows us to have that that face to face intimacy with with God that is otherwise uh, impossible for us, I think. Um, let me let me try this thought on. Grace Grace allows us to receive. Yeah. Um, the reason grace is so hated, as uh, Louis Ferry, Ch- not Schaefer, but uh, Newell says, is because it doesn't give any room for the sin nature to do anything. It takes up all the space. And so before grace shows up, I, I'm not a receiver. Yeah. You know, I'm a doer. And if someone presents me with the idea of grace, I think, well, that's foolishness. I'm, I'm not a receiver. I'm a fool. I'm a doer. And so when you realize that what grace really does is it makes you a receiver of God's blessings. Yeah. Willingly. Yeah. Well, that's a, 
Sorry. Go ahead. I'm done. I was just going to say that that brings us right into question number four, actually. Why don't we do that? Because grace did bring something uh, to all men. So what what came with the appearance of grace is question number four. And and so like you're saying, Mike, if grace, grace uh, prepares us to receive something, um, I think this is this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Um, well, I, I might be cutting you off, Miles. No, no, that's okay. I, I just I just opened up question four, and we, we can go. Yeah, go for it. Well, I was just thinking you were trying on that thought, Mike, and grace allows us to receive. It also allows us to believe, right? What? what was that last thing? Believe. Believe. Okay. Walk by faith, right? Like, so faith yeah. is possible you can't receive nor can you believe yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think that's tied in exactly with with the whole context here in chapter two is that uh everything that paul is telling titus to uh, you know um you know so I, I was actually looking at it kind of this morning and and you could take any one of these imperatives and and you could just take that just lift that two words out and attach it with with verse 11 so young men be sensible for the grace of god has appeared you know um uh uh reverent in behavior for the grace of god has appeared uh you know beyond reproach for the grace of god has appeared um and uh and 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 so that idea of believing or accepting i mean they're they're tied together right faith faith is a is a accepting um by faith or or believing what god has done and that's the only ground upon which any of these things can be uh, a reality i mean you could make some of these things a fleshly reality as most people try to do with with this but to make these the the spiritual reality the way that god uh intends uh it has to be founded on on the grace that has appeared bringing bringing salvation to all men um because that salvation is uh is a uh, a death life salvation it's a death that that cuts us off from from all that we were in adam um and and a life that that uh that unites us to to jesus christ and all that all that he is um yeah, when when you realize that the the response to the salvation message, uh, or the response, uh, the response to the salvation message, or or the uh, the fact that what our requirement is is that we believe. It's interesting that faith is a non meritorious act. And it, you begin with the re- reception and you continue and receive reception. Imagine eternity is going to be all about receiving. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. The other, yeah. Going back to the John verse, what, what came with the appearance of grace? It tells us truth. Yeah. Truth, which is Christ, all the, everything that, you know, Christ is. Yeah. The truth came with grace. And that's all bringing salvation to men, bringing, instructing them, you know, all the things we see in this Titus. It's the truth brought about by Christ, you know, coming. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, I mean, 
the answer is there. Truth was re- realized with grace. Yeah, you, you think of truth as the accumulation of facts. When and what truth is really a person, just like grace is. Um, I think one thing we should mention on on this uh, when we're this phrase here, bringing salvation to all men. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure this is apparent to all of us, but it, it doesn't mean that all uh, men have uh, have received e- eternal life. Um, uh, it, uh, not all men have received that grace, but um, but it it has brought salvation um or made it we should say made salvation available to all men and and that i guess is what i'm uh kind of thinking along the lines here is is that um there is uh there is no one uh who has um there's no one who well let me just say this way christ's death has dealt with um with all men in Adam. Um, there, there's nobody uh, who uh, whose sin wasn't dealt with on on the cross, um, and uh, and and it's a and it it was intended. The cross was intended to free us from from that. It was intended to free us from that that old life, um, and it's been provided for all men. Um, and the only response, uh, I, I think the only response that is consistent with grace is faith. The, the only, it's, it's, it demands faith. No, no other response will do. And, um, and so it's, it's really a phenomenal thing. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, you know, um, and, uh, separating us from, from all the, uh, ungodliness that we're going to talk about next week in, in verse 12, um, that, that is who we were by nature. We were ungodly by nature. Um, and that, that takes us back. We'll, we'll, next week we'll look at in, in Romans a little bit where, where, uh, Paul, uh, talks about that or, uh, well, Romans four or five, he justifies the ungodly. That's the only way <laughs> you get is there's, there's no other there's no other position from which to come. And there's no other, uh, you know, um, uh, there's, there's no 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 alternative to that. He, he justifies us while we were while we were ungodly. So well, we should uh, close there for today and we'll pick up next time with uh, with that. Uh, well, we'll we'll finish up question four a little bit and then. Uh, Get into question five next week. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace, Lord. We really just, uh, we really just scratched the surface of it. Yeah. Lord, we pray that, um, you would just continue to, uh, deepen our, uh, our appreciation for the grace that has, uh, been revealed in Jesus Christ. Um, Lord, we, we want to understand it more. Um, we want to, uh, share the, uh, the wonderful message of, of your grace with, with others. Um, and so I pray that you would teach us. Um, we need to understand this more. And we thank you that you will. In Jesus' name, amen.